Welcome to the Mystic Mecca, where the worlds of spirits, aliens, and conspiracies collide, and we keep it high vibe. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Mystic Mecca. My name is Erica Blackbear, and as always, I will be your host. We have our very first guest interview today. Um, the magical Carol Sky Soul Guide is joining us. She is not a fan of labels, and I totally get that. And so we're not going to put her into any boxes, but she has a lot of knowledge, wisdom, and experiences to share with us. I do want to mention that there is a short two to three second spot in the audio, maybe about 40 minutes in, where I am talking and it's kind of glitching out. It's I apologize for that. I think my internet connection was the reason, but I left it in for the integrity of the conversation. So apologies for that. And without further ado, let's get into this super interesting conversation with Carol Skye. All right. Hello, Carol. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Erica. I'm happy to be here. Happy, Very happy to be here to chat about all things. <laughs> Yay. So I'm curious, like, what your background is and what kind of led you to the woo? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, that is pretty much my life story. I think I've always been fascinated, especially as a young child, with, you know, everyone gets kind of interested in being a witch for Halloween and then starting to learn the history of Halloween and then realizing how much of that really resonated with me. And I've just carried that through all throughout my childhood, my teen years, Probably in my late teens, my mom started introducing me to um, Sylvia Brown's work, which she's um, <laughs> on one hand was a world-renowned psychic, and then on another hand, a lot of people are claiming her to be fraudulent. But regardless, her work, her books were really impactful for me, and they really helped me to understand what was going on in my own life with my own soul's path. And I just kept staying curious with anything and all things metaphysical and psychic, and then I started to open myself up more to... Um, exploring that and in with through meditation and seeing visuals and it's just kind of blossomed from there. Okay. What, what kinds of things do you kind of practice? Like, do you have certain practices that you do or what is, how do you kind of, how does that manifest for you? Hmm. So I've always followed um, mother nature seasons um, autumn is absolutely my all-time favorite time of year. It might have a little to do with my birthday being in October as well um, and the beautiful colors, but following the phases of the moon and realizing how much that actually does affect us on earth and then understanding the change in the seasons because I do live somewhere where we get all four seasons. Sadly, winter lasts longer than summer. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and just really tapping into like Mother Earth and what she has to offer and then learning about plant medicines and how those can be useful um, I've also dabbled in like playing around with oracle cards and tarot cards, although I'm not like an avid tarot card reader. Yeah. Um, and then that transpired into exploring uh, Reiki. So I do actually have Holy Fire Reiki Master. Um, I've also done a lot of shamanic journey training and just my own practice. Like I call it on my Instagram handle, I just call it miscellaneous magic because I've really borrowed from so many different modalities that I've been trained in or I've personally experienced or I've sought healing through and I've just made it all my own. That's amazing. Yeah, it sounds like you kind of meld a lot of different really interesting things together. Um mm -hmm. with uh plant medicine, I'm curious um what what does that look like? Like is it herbology or what what do you use? I would definitely say it would be more like yeah, um I'm not a certified herbalist but I'm very interested in that field. Um, just learning what plants are available to me in my own backyard and what the healing properties are of them. Um, I haven't really jumped down the whole like psychedelic journeying realm. <laughs> it's something that I'm curious about, but um, yeah, I'm just, it's never really pinged me hard enough to, to take a journey yet because I've been successful in journeys without. Mm -hmm. um, but just like herbal teas, for example, and understanding that different medicines help certain ailments in the body um, I did do a plant journey when I was visiting some friends in Alberta. It was lovely. And um, the the shaman didn't tell you which. He told you what the four T's were, but he didn't tell you which ones were which. 
<laughs> and you were just told to kind of gravitate towards which one you picked. And the one that I picked was Tulsi, which was really lovely. And it was this cute little journey that I took and I got this beautiful image of the plant in its uh, flowering form. And it was doing like a little, do you remember in the nineties, they had those little dancing flowers for your dashboards? Yeah. <laughs> kind of dancing like that. And I just got some beautiful, really like playful messages from it. And that's, that's one of the more impactful plant journeys that I've had. Um, and just working with wild rose, which grows right across all the prairies where I live in Canada I actually have it uh, wild rose tattooed on my arm because I've used their that medicine. You can use the hips, you can use the petals. And I've even used like the stems with thorns in my magic work and candle magic. Mm. <clears throat> and then also anything in the forest for trees. Like I have cedar also on my, as one of my tattoos that I, because I resonate with the plant so much. Um, yeah. and, and like the healing properties of that, which are evading me at the moment. <laughs> but I do know that anything with pine um, I've gone through, I've gone on hikes during um, like when it's been forest fire season and yeah. I've really gotten a lot of med um, meditative information from the trees and how they can help during times of strife. And I remember a moment where I put my hand on the trunk of a tree and just the energy exchange from that was enough to clear my lungs, even though there was such thick smoke in the air while I was on this hike. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. It sounds like you really connect into this almost the spirit of the plant, really, when you're mm -hmm. working with it. Mm -hmm. And I've never really framed it as that. Like, I've never sought it out to be that. But mm -hmm. in hindsight, like, you definitely nailed that because it's like it's willing to show itself immediately to me as long as I'm willing to listen. Wow. That's Which really I think cool. It's true for everybody, right? As long as we're willing to listen, yeah. the information is there. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned something about candle work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you expand on that? <laughs> I would love to. Um, candle magic has probably been the, f like, was probably the, the first thing that I really took seriously in my journey of being a healer and a helper. And it's also the most playful. And you can use any candle. Any candle you want, doesn't matter. You can make it work for the magic that you're trying to create. I've used a lot uh, for manifesting um, what I want in life or trying to call in what I want in life or to also um, do cord cuttings and almost ceremonial goodbyes of natural endings of relationships and and things that you just no longer want in your on your path. So for me... Um, I mean, anyone that's ever put a birthday candle on their birthday cake, they've engaged in candle magic. If you make a wish and then you blow out the candle, that's candle magic. Hmm. Um, but for me, I've taken it even a step further. And uh, there's a saying that a good candle maker always knows how long their candle is meant to burn. So you would want to choose an item that you can kind of have an idea of how long the burn time should be. Because that can be a telling piece when you're engaging in the magic. So if you have a candle that you know burns should burn for four hours and you're doing something that you're trying to call in, for example, um, if it burns down in two hours, that to me would indicate that it's actually a quickening spell and it's going to happen quicker than you realize. On the other side of that is if you're trying to manifest something that maybe isn't quite in alignment and that candle that should be a four-hour burn takes longer, then that tells you that could tell you that there are some obstacles or some other things that need to be cleared before you continue on this, this path to manifestation. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. How I'm curious, like where, where does this knowledge stem from? Like, have you done reading or where is this? Where, where? <laughs> uh, books. For sure. I have borrowed as many books that I can from the library for free. I have borrowed books from friends. I have purchased my own. Um, anything witchcraft related history wise as well, like I've read and which has kind of sent me on like, oh, well, this this person is speaking about another teacher and maybe I can find some information from them. The internet, Pinterest. I love Pinterest for, for magic stuff. There's a lot of information on Pinterest. Um, probably also spending time with friends that are also into it and just like, like community shared knowledge. Mm. Um, I have done some workshops with other locals uh, hosting it where they've taught certain candle teachings or certain other types of healing modality teachings. And I've just picked up on it. Maybe my brain is just a sponge for it. And like, I just, I'm able to transmute it really easily. That's the teacher. That's the teacher in me. That's 
that comes through by nature. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, I'm curious, have you ever looked into like, do you have um, like witchcraft in your lineage? Like does anybody in your ancestry line? I haven't done like the specific scientific DNA testing stuff. I won't mm-hmm. touch that stuff with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Um, but I have done a few um, meditative journeys where I've asked for answers. Mm-hmm. And I do have one experience in particular that I was in meditative state and I had a very vivid recalling of an event that was just, it was so wild to, to visualize. But before that, before I get to that, I actually should backtrack. When I was a child, I had a very unnatural fear, like completely irrational fear of fire, which is ironic that I had this fear of fire and yet I played with candles, even (laughs) even as a small child. And this irrational fear, I realized later stemmed from a past life memory of having died in a fire. And then as in my 20s and, and early 30s, I started to really dig into more about that kind of thing. And on my way to work one day, I had happened to catch a glimpse of a vehicle behind me who had a burn victim in the vehicle. And I was really overcome with grief and overwhelm and sadness for the suffering that this person was experiencing. Um, and that was a really loud indicator for me that I should explore and get more information. So that mm-hmm. led me on to meditating about things and asking universal questions about clarity around why I have these fears of fire and what's going on. And this particular experience that I first started talking about, I was in this meditative state and I was watching this visual and I had, it was like I had seen a scene. It was black and white movie playing out. And then the tones turned to like more of a sepia color. And I knew inherently that I was actually being walked to my death. And as I was walking, I know that I had the awareness that I was pushed down to the ground and I fell on my knees and it was like a, um, a pea gravel road that was very iron colored based. So like, it was like a warm brownish red color. Mm. And I actually have memory of what it felt like to fall on my knees, but I knew that I was pushed and they were saying, Oh, she just fell. She just fell, but you need to get up. And they were like very aggressive with me. And as I, as I was getting back up again, I was looking ahead of me and I realized that I was being walked to where they would burn people. And that was where it really was like that it hit me that I obviously had a life experience where I was burned at the stake, likely for my plant knowledge and my healing properties and things that I used to do in the village where I lived. Wow. Wow. That sounds really powerful and really intense to kind of relive almost again. (laughs) Absolutely. But the interesting thing was that even though I experienced a little bit of the physical memory, it was more of an emotional awareness of we're showing this to you so that you can clear it so that you have the understanding so that you can clear it and heal and move on, but mm-hmm. still maintain taking the power that you had. Yeah. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I have so, so many different questions, but <laughs> I'm going to try to take us through a, through a progression here instead of kind of jumping all over the place. Um so you said that you, you know, were kind of shown this to clear it. What kind of things do you do for for clearing your own kind of traumas or or things out of your system? Mm-hmm. So I often will call forth um, all the beings that were involved in that scenario, and I will tap in to see whether or not there needs to be some form of reconciliation. And sometimes that reconciliation is really just with self for forgiving self for having to go through that and reacting the way that you did in that situation. And because I'm a very visual person um, and I've learned some tools also with my Akashic records training. So that's another one of my modalities that I have. (laughs) I have quite quite a few. Um, And so I really just imagine the video or like the video that's playing forth in in my visual, um, just kind of disintegrating into ash. And blowing like away the dust in the wind, kind of a kind of visual like that. Um, and then sometimes you'll have to work a little harder with the individuals that were involved because you might notice that they're playing out a similar scenario in your current life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is definitely multi-layered. Um, but I really love the visual aspect. And if it's really 
if I feel like I need to spend more time in it, then I'll bring in my candle magic again and I'll do something like a cord cutting, which is a pretty common practice once you start. Like, it's like, I think one of the most basic, I shouldn't say basic. Let's cancel clear that. It's not basic, but um, mm -hmm. one of the preliminary things that we often learn mm -hmm. when we're seeking out this knowledge, it oft it's like a common practice. So you can use one or two candles and you wrap the cord, you wrap a cord around the candle and when you go to set the candle on fire you use the intention of the cord being cut the, the the bind the ties that bind being unwound and disintegrated and if you actually sit and watch when you're doing this candle magic you can almost it's actually wild to see um, I highly recommend if you can take a time-lapse video um, and then play it back to see you might notice different things because you can notice you can watch the flame and see how the flame is reacting um, you can see how the, you can pay attention and find meaning in the way that the cord is burning. Um, I have tried to do cord cuttings where there has been a lot of resistance because the other party involved wasn't ready to let go. So you have to do a little bit more energy work there and almost negotiation sometimes with their higher self. Um, and you might see it play out in the candle burning where their half of the, the string is still trying to hang on to your candle. Hmm. That's very interesting. So you use candles in order to do clearing as well, it sounds like. Absolutely. Okay. Um, do you practice, like, do other forms of, I don't know if forms is the right terminology um, with witchcraft? I'm I'm curious if there's other things that you do um, w with that kind of modality. Um, I would say that I don't conform. I, I'm not really a fan of rules. I think rules are meant to be broken. Um, and I think that their an original intention is to form control. And I, and I disagree with having control. I am very much a sovereign seeking person. And so, although I've read many different books on witchcraft and different practices, I would say that I, I take what's useful to me and I make it my own. And it may look like I'm following a prescribed regimen, but I'm really not. I'm just following my own intuition mm -hmm. and my own memory of what works and what hasn't worked and whatever calls to me. So when I'm doing candle magic, for example, I might be called to use certain plants um, in my, in my creation. And then other days I might just be want to do a quick spell. And if I want to do a quick spell, I might use something like a birthday candle because they burn faster. Mm -hmm. versus using a four hour candle or there's even other magic where you can go and use like the really tall seven day candles where you're burning every day for seven days. Um, mm -hmm. And there is, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in the online realms when you're joining these groups to find information um, because there are certain groups that are really strong in their conviction about following the rule of three and, um, you know, do no harm and all of those things. And I'm not advocating for causing harm, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think that we need to pull our judgments off of what witchcraft is or what it should be or what it has been in the past mm -hmm. and realize that it's fundamentally just universal magic, working with the energies and the plants and the, and the information around you and your own intuition and making it work for you what's best for you. Now, on that other hand, there is consequence to actions, Mm -hmm. But not all consequences have to be bad. So I don't particularly prescribe to specific things that are related to voodoo or hoodoo or or Wiccan belief systems because I've never been initiated into any of those things. Mm. But if an as if it, if an aspect of that practice resonates with me, none of these practices. If they, I I I have the what's the word I'm looking for. I am of the opinion that if information is being shown to you, it's for you to use that doesn't automatically make it that you're, you're being disrespectful to what might be a closed practice, because if it's being shown to you, I don't think it's closed. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my perspective. That could get pretty heated though. If you ask, if you ask the internets. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't, um, necessarily dabble so much in in i guess witchcraft or you know the the hoodoo or the voodoo and etc mm -hmm. etc um but i have been in a couple of groups and i've seen that kind of heated debate about <laughs> <laughs> what is right versus you know what is 
what do like people's opinions, you know, basically. Yeah. Opinions and yeah, exactly. Expectations and judgments. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really tapped in. Like I've heard you kind of, there's been, you know, some things that you've said that make me think that you're very extremely empathic and obviously your, your psychic abilities. I'm curious if you would expand a little bit on kind of what you experience and, and maybe like, is this something that you were kind of born with? Did it, is it something that you worked at kind of growing into? I I just would like maybe some history on that a little bit. Sure. So I would say that my pivotal moment was actually not long after my dad passed away, but I always had the belief right through childhood. Um, I have a core memory of when I was younger of me actually levitating over a puddle on the beach like where I was able to step lightly on the water surface and not sink in. And of course, because I was as a child and excited about sharing this with my parents, I go running over to them as innocent as I was to tell them about this and they deny it and they shut you down and they say that's not possible. Mm. But I have a very like vivid memory of this actually being true. Now, that also could be debated in the psychology realm, but I believe in magic more than I believe in what a scientist says about what the brain does or can create about memory and story. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and then I would say again, through my teens and early twenties, I always had the belief, but I never had the proof and I never had the inner knowing. And then in my thirties, when my dad passed away, I think my psychic ability started to turn on a little louder, whether or not I asked for it or whether it was just divine timing. I'm not really sure, but I had gone on a trip, um, that was meant to be a more of a healing trip just because like life is crazy and you need to spend some time with yourself sometimes and just process what's been going on. And this trip was in a location near Tulum, Mexico, and it was just a very mystical, uh, magical place. And I'm actually still in touch with the retreat owner because I hope to host some retreats there someday so that I can bring forth this experience in others. And we were doing a healing ceremony that was led by somebody else and it was near a full moon. And a message came through from the person doing the healing ceremony and she came to me and whispered something in my ear and said, he's here with you. And I was like, huh, well, who's he in my head? Cause I'm naturally a skeptic. The human wants to be a skeptic before we believe. Mm. And it was a beautiful hearing healing ceremony where we were actually doing what we call a soul retrieval. And she walked us through a meditation where you call back all the parts of yourself that you've cast away. And in the moment that she had, said that he's here with you I was flooded with an image of like watching ants come back to their colony in a rush when they know that they have to they're activated because they feel like they're under attack so they organize and they all rush back to the colony to protect the colony that's what it felt like having me call back my soul parts because I had given away so much of myself Hmm. and then the following evening um, I happened to be the only person that rented the single room on the the north side of the property everyone else was facing south mm-hmm. and i was awoken about mm, half an hour before sunrise loud and clear my dad's voice through the veil calling my name like shouting my name which he was known for when he was here incarnate <laughs> and <laughs> he came through and with a message that uh he wanted to make sure that i understood how loved i was because i had a lot of doubt about it based on our um inability to get along and see eye to eye, especially teenage, you know, and he's a bull in a China shop. So, um, (laughs) you know, we often butted heads because we were both very stubborn and for him to come through to, to remind me that he actually like really did love me and he just didn't know how to show it because of his upbringing. Um, but again, me being the skeptic, I'm like, okay, I hear you. Thank you for the message. I processed that had a lot of emotion around that fell back asleep. And then part of this retreat included a hands-on massage therapy session. And I didn't know this at the time, but when I went for that massage therapy session that day, this lady actually also is able to see and read your aura. Mm. And she speaks Spanish. So she was not able to communicate with me at all, but her hands were amazingly magic for sure. And I got off of that massage table feeling put back together again, in such a way that I was like, oh, this is what the healthy body actually feels like. Cause I had no idea. Cause like spine was out of place, hip was out of place, knee was out of place until after this massage. 
So I got off the massage table and I was like, well, I have some time to process before I move on to the next excursion we're doing. So I'm going to go to the beach. And from where we were staying, you have to take a bike and bike down this beautiful sandy path through the jungle. And you have to kind of go through like a pretty heavily jungled area. And then you come to this clearing and then there's this beach. So I'm like, I'm going to go hop in the ocean and just be with self and process everything and enjoy the fact that my body feels like it's healthy again and it's all aligned. And like I, when I stood up straight, I could feel my shoulders lined up over my hips properly. I didn't have to work at it. Um, so I hop on a bike and I, in the back of my mind, I have this experience playing out from when my dad's voice came through earlier that morning. And I'm like, well, all right, universe, if that's really my dad, then show me the butterfly on the jewelry box. Now the back quick backstory to that is prior to him passing away, he was working on a wooden jewelry box for me and I wanted to keep it completely clean and pure and just stain it with oil because it was cedar wood. And he found this picture of a beautiful blue morpho butterfly. And he was adamant that he wanted this jewelry box painted like this blue butterfly. So he was wanting me to paint it. But at the time, I didn't tell anyone or anybody about this specific butterfly. I just said, hey, universe, show me that butterfly and see what would happen. So on this bike ride into the jungle, just before the clearing, this butterfly flies past my face. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. So I go to the beach, park the bike, hop in the water and just float in the ocean for a little while. And me still being the skeptic because I'm stubborn as he is. (laughs) I'm like, well, if that's really true and that's really you, then show me more butterflies. And on the bike ride back, I was followed by a cluster of butterflies. And in that cluster of butterflies, each single one in that cluster was different. Hmm. And from that mo- moment on, I was there was no denying it for me that there is absolutely life after death in the human body and that we absolutely can communicate with our loved ones. They can absolutely hear us. They can sense our emotions and they are still always readily av- available to us. All we have to do is ask and be open to it. Hmm. Wow, what a beautiful story. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> and that retreat center sounds amazing. <laughs> absolutely very magical. I, lo- <laughs> I look forward to taking your future retreat there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. So yeah, so that was kind of a, a turning point for you, it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you, I know I'm, I'm, well, I'm guessing that you're a person that maybe doesn't really like a lot of labels, but I'm curious if you kind of consider yourself a star seed or if you, if that kind of resonates with you. Mm-hmm. I did, I did really take a dive with that as um, a persona for a while. Mm. And then realize that as beautiful as that is, I'm here on earth and I needed to root back into earth. And I look at it as I have starseed aspects, but I don't take ownership of that being my sole identity. And you are correct. I don't love labels. (laughs) It really took me a long time to decide who I was and how to represent myself as a healer and a helper. Um, And only in this past week, um, since you and another friend has uh, requested um, as to me to have me as a guest on their podcasts, Mm. which is lovely, because I also did a universal ask about getting my own podcast back in in back online. So it's like, Mm. all these things are pointing to yes, I obviously need to do these things. Um, And just in the last week, did the name uh, Carol Sky Soul Guide pop in. Mm. And it took me a while to resonate with anything in terms of the healer realm because I don't love the label of healer because it is so what's the word it's an inflammatory word unfortunately in the spiritual community and the starseed community and I really think that we're not having the proper conversations that we need to have around the language we choose the words that we choose to represent ourselves and when soul guide popped in I was like that makes the most sense to me because whether you're a starseed or whether you're you're connected to more mother nature earth and like the like the spirit realm that's here on planet earth you're still a soul we still have a soul in a human body and i call upon my starseed aspects i do have some connections um 
I've always been drawn to the constellation Pleiades and I do have some connections to the beings from there. Mm. Um, but in the last few years, I've actually spent, I've kind of reconnected with earth. And I think that's where I'm the most, the strongest. With that being said, though, I'm curious if we could kind of talk about like the Pleiadian connection. Do you do channeling or do you kind of communicate with beings there? Um, I would say that it's not, I don't, know if, I don't know how I feel about the word channel. I think it's mm -hmm. more, to me, I communicate to, with spirit the same way, whether they're earthly being, whether it's, um, it's a disincarnate soul, um, like through mediumship to me, it's still a conversation that happens with my thoughts. So sometimes the beings will show their shape or their outline to me. But either way, whether I can tell what they look like or not, it's just a conversation with my mind the same way that you and I could be sitting at a restaurant and not be speaking out loud, but yet still communicate with body language because we're within proximity, right? So I haven't necessarily, quote unquote, tightened up my methods for communication. If I'm calling forth an entity, it's not going to matter where they came from if they choose to show that to me. Like I can get an energy signature on certain types of beings, but I don't necessarily seek that if you're showing up to give me information or because we have a contract that needs to be cleared. It, to me, it's, it's still just, it's the same thing. I, for me, it's always visual or like thought auditory. I don't physically hear it. I don't physically see them, mm -hmm. but yet in my mind's eye, I do see them or I can hear them. Okay. Do you have, um, like relationships with specific beings that you work with quite frequently? I've, I kind of ebb and flow. Mm. When I call forward guides, I don't necessarily pay that much attention. And they're like laughing at me because they know this to be true that I don't pay attention to which one is stepping forward because I'm in trust that the one that has the informations are going to step forward. Mm. Um, in terms of earthly realm beings, they tend to show themselves more to me. So I actually get a visual of what they look like. And perhaps the ones that are galactic are not willing to show themselves as much because there might still be some judgment there on or some fear based on the way that they actually look. Mm -hmm. So I'm completely fine with simple communication. I've spoken to my own aspect of Pleiadian self. Um, and I've had some pretty vivid visual of what she looks like and behaves like. And there are some connections here on earth that I've met and talked to and we've done healings with, and we've taken courses together and whatnot where our Pleiadian aspects are also friends. So it's kind of interesting that in the earth realm, we get to connect to, even though we're also doing things in the cosmic realm. <laughs> and then I've also had some fun with some darker entities as well. Um, they don't like me cause I call them on their shit and they just, <laughs> they, it's like, they know that that's what I'm here to do. And they don't love that about me, obviously. But yet when I show up and I'm like, you, you guys need to get the hell out of here there. It's like, Oh, like they really can't, they don't put up a fuss. They, cause they know that I'm right. And, or I shouldn't maybe not right, but I'm here to, to do that. I'm working for my purpose. So, hmm. um, but I have, I, I kind of chuckle about how often the term demon gets thrown around because it is so highly misused. And I think what people are seeing or labeling as demons are incorrect. Mm. I think they're actually much darker than the demon realm and, and any demon entity that I've come across has been hardworking and a little sarcastic and, and a little sly, a little sneaky, but they're here to do a job. They all serve a purpose. I don't, I try really not. I really try hard not to, hold anything as right or wrong or or good or bad or or evil or not evil because i don't think that serves a purpose that that's where you're sitting too much in judgment still so and it mm. kind of muddies the lines of communication so i would say my favorites to work with so far um would be my pleiadian connections and then my demon connections because they're they've um they've actually helped keep my property safe when I've had to go into some sketchy areas for my work and, and whatnot. Mm. So interesting. I have actually had similar experiences with the demons. I actually enjoy working with them. And I think yeah. people get freaked out when you say that, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
it's I do see a separation between those that group of entities versus some of the other darker entities. Yeah, I can totally relate to what you're saying. Um, I feel like they're the scapegoat, just because it's the mm-hmm. it's the word that that society has used and learned to be normalized, and it's like that's actually not us, you guys. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> that's what I often hear from them, or I get like the giant eye roll of oh here here we go again we're getting blamed for something that isn't our problem <laughs> quite comical actually <laughs> they are really funny they have yeah. Yeah, they have such a wicked sense of humor <laughs> i think that's where my sense of humor actually comes from <laughs> okay so i caught something when you were talking about kind of working with the darker collectives the darker yep. entities um and you were saying that, you know, this is kind of your purpose. Can you expand on that a little more? Like, are, do you feel like working with those darker entities is part of like your, your purpose, I guess? I think my purpose falls more along the lines of freeing humans from their connections to these darker entities. Mm, okay. And I have a long history of being on the outskirts of addictions and other really dark traumatic experiences where I've often witnessed friends go through these really traumatic, deep, deeply wounding experiences and realizing how certain medications and drugs actually open the door to these really dark spaces and places. Mm. And it's it's fascinating to me that they there is a certain energy signature and I actually with one in particular collective I get a sense of smell as well which I don't love <laughs> uh, but it's a reminder to me of oh this again and I know how to clear it so you know I I it's like it's a nice little reminder cue but mm-hmm. um that that's this, this is the collective that uh I'm trying to think of, like almost like they're they're uh, they're trying to tongue time you right now. Screw off, guys, because <laughs> they don't want me talking about it. Um, They'd rather be a hidden in the shadows. They would rather be hidden. In, well, that's literally where they lurk, right? They're actually they follow along the sewer lines, um, and that's the same smell that I get when they're around. Uh, archons, that's the word. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've had to clear that so there's some connections with my family line through that mm. um where they've gotten swindled is not the right word but it's the word i'm thinking of right now where they've gotten into some things where they've agreed to terms and conditions with the archons and i've had to unwind some of that and it's 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 the connection to using certain types of drugs like alcohol is one of them um, any of these gateway drugs are actually bigger gateways than the average human realizes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing a few friends of mine struggling with addictions and, and they, like I said, again, here's where the demons get scapegoated when it's not the demons, but they joke the friends in particular that I'm thinking of that joke about them dealing, battling their demons, their inner demons. I'm like, these are not demons you're dealing with. <laughs> like you've, yeah. you've opened a portal to something else because of the type of substances you're abusing mm-hmm. and they get stuck in those abuse cycles. and it's it's just it's sad to see it happen and yet i also am from the belief that you've chosen these soul contracts to overcome them so having the awareness of what's around like it's definitely kept me out of some certain sketchy situations that i might have found myself in had i not had the awareness of their energy signature if you will yeah yeah i totally get that and i completely agree with opening the portals with certain types of substances like alcohol and yeah like methamphetamines and stuff like you're attracting a certain it's almost like a there's a specific collective or collectives that kind of follow that energetic signature in some way or something yeah and um uh, people don't realize that like yeah that the the effects that that can have on your life and the people that are around you i just got a little ping as we're chatting about that and and like thinking about the global perspective of how there's a meth problem globally Mm -hmm. so let's just entertain the idea of humans on earth more and more of them are struggling with this quote-unquote addiction Mm -hmm. which really was i think intentional 
Mm-hmm. Um, because if we really wanted to to stop meth from being moved around the world, our authorities would have the power to do so. But there's always leaks. I think there's leaks mm-hmm. in that system, obviously. But what is that doing energetically to Earth and the humans on Earth if it, if an increasing number of people are using these drugs and opening the door to this entity energy? Mm-hmm. We've actually increased this entity energy energy on the planet because of the quote unquote meth problem, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing to think about because we're I feel like a lot of people are saying, it seems like there's more evil in the world. And the counter argument to that is, is there more evil or is that just more that we have more awareness around it? And I actually wonder if it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would tend to agree that I think it's definitely like amplifying right now. And I also think that there's a lot more good that is counterbalancing that or, you know, there's kind of, there is this kind of like back and forth going on right now. I could just, mm-hmm. you know, as many people are talking about, it's like, you can just feel it. <laughs> yeah. that there's kind of this, like, I don't really want to call it a battle because I don't think that that's like serving mm-hmm. us to have it be like a war kind of thing happening. I think it's right. the awareness of it is how we kind of, you know, get out of it or, or balance it or whatever um, terminology would is appropriate. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, it, the math thing is super interesting to me because it's, I just, when I'm around somebody that's, that either is currently using math or regularly uses it, I, it's almost like everything in me is like run. <laughs> There's like this, and it's not a repulsion to the person. It's like the energy of that meth and like what else it's kind of like, like that portal kind of that we kind of talked about. It's like, I feel like that's my instinct is to just like get away from it. Like that aspect of it, not the person specifically, but But what what they're bringing. Yes. What they're exactly like tapping into. And I do see that with alcohol, although it doesn't um, give me like the hair on the back of my neck doesn't stand up as right. (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. I mean, if you use alcohol and herbalism, the whole purpose of alcohol to make a tincture Mm -hmm. is to remove the essence of the plant so that you have the benefit of the plant in a concentrated form, the Mm -hmm. essence of the plant. So what is that doing in terms of human is when you consume alcohol, are you removing the essence of the human? Something interesting to explore. Wow. (laughs) That is a really, really interesting thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That being said, I love a great glass of red wine. I do (laughs) once in a while, but what I've done differently in terms of applying my witchcraft background and just my general belief in magic is I will set intention and I will I have actually so I have in my 20s I was also a bartender and I love mixology I love it it's my favorite thing um but I do it now with tea instead of with booze (laughs) um but it's just uh with my background in bartending I came into this awareness of I personally have like a intuitive hunch that certain brands of alcohol may have also been embedded with intention, Mm. um, possibly not the best intention. So I've got this visual of like a ritual happening over the original recipe of let's say rye, for example. Mm. Um, And so rye alcohol with certain brands carry this imprint of this magical ritual embedded in Because when you're speaking into liquid, water holds memory and plants also hold memory. So if you have a tincture using plants and you've spoken an enchantment or a spell or your intentions into it and then you consume it, you're now taking that intention in with you. And I know for myself personally, this could be related to my lineage, my DNA. I am not 100% sure, but I am not a nice person when I consume rye alcohol. 
Mm. But if I consume rum, which is sugar cane based or however it's brewed, I can be, I'm total happy, fun pirate. Like it's, it's a joke. It's kind of whatever. <laughs> Vodka is another one that turns me off, but gin, because it's brewed with specific herbal botanical medicines, I can take a little bit of it and I don't have, it's like a different experience. I, I do quite enjoy the taste of gin once in a while. Again, I'm not a heavy drinker. I actually took a break from drinking for about five or six years. And now I'm able to reintroduce it in a way with, that has some intention. So when I'm taking a drink of alcohol, whether that's ordered at a restaurant or in my own home, I will speak into the bottles that I've purchased and I will cancel and clear any and all intentions that were embedded within this liquid. And I will re-imbue them with my own. Wow. That's what a good, what a good, what good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I am going to take your advice and start doing that for myself. Happy to share. And not just with alcohol. This makes total sense, actually, what you're saying about, you know, imbuing intention. And it is interesting because certain alcohols do have a have a different effect on my, on my body, I notice. I don't mm. drink anymore. I used to drink a lot. And rye is whiskey, right? I, Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so whiskey would make me very sick, and but I ha actually have the same kind of like happier experience with rum. So I find that very interesting that mm -hmm. there's kind of a a similar. And I guess like even thinking about rum, I kind of associate it with like happy and like yeah and <laughs> island life flavors and, <laughs> yeah and like yeah island life exactly relaxed like mm -hmm. so yeah the intention and like the energy of that where it's being brewed and created like on an island in the caribbean because what's where the best rum comes from is the caribbean mm -hmm. and like what's the vibe down there it's, yeah it's like easygoing delicious food fresh fruit you know, like no, no stress, no crying, nothing. Just like, I mean, man, if I lived on the beach all the time, I would be a happy camper, but I probably would actually, I cannot believe I'm going to say these words. I might actually miss winter for about a month or two <laughs> <laughs> because I quite enjoy winter here. We have, um, beautiful forests to walk through. So, mm. um, but yeah, it's just, I, I don't think, I mean, even our regular food, like again, with that retreat that I went to in Mexico, um, one of the teachings that wasn't really maybe a teaching but something that I took away from it was um the chef at the time rest in peace he uh, passed away but he explained that if you love what you're doing you're putting that energy into what you do so especially when you're preparing food you must cook with love and how many times have I seen people in my life that I that I can tell are going through frustrations and they're like cooking dinner and they're like beating the crap out of their steak because they're taking out their frustrations on this poor steak. And now you're serving that to your family and that family member is taking on the energy of what you've put into that steak, even though that maybe not have been your intention. Mm. So again, when I notice those things like, Hey, that person's having a bad day, I'm going to cancel and clear all of this energy that's been put into this food and I'm going to reimbue it with, with love. Yeah, that's so true. As a former chef, I can attest to, to <gasps> nice. that, like the different, nice vibes in the different kitchens I worked in and oh, then, yeah. you know kitchens that something else. Yeah. <laughs> oh no okay yeah. yeah I've worked in hospitality for 20 years so <laughs> I've seen a lot yeah you understand <laughs> <laughs> we are a different vibe for sure the hospitality <laughs> industry <laughs> yeah that is totally totally different yeah it feels like a different world like <laughs> now that I think about it it really is that's funny yeah okay so before we end I just wanted to touch on you had mentioned shamanism um mm -hmm. early on and I kind of wanted to loop back around to that I'm curious what your what your knowledge and experience is with that so I've taken some trainings through a foundation that is based in the U.S. that um, this person, his name is Michael Harner. He traveled the world and he visited indigenous tribes and uh, communities and was always an invited guest in. And he, I guess the language that I would use is he would be a knowledge keeper. Mm -hmm. And then he created these courses that you can take. And I've taken quite a few of these workshops, but I also realized that there's a lot of parallel to his teachings of specific ways and on 
not executing because that's not the right word, but um, his practices require a certain protocol to follow. Mm. And yet there's parallels to my own inner knowing of how I would have done something when I was helping with a person healing or whatnot. Um, So the majority of my official learning is through that foundation. However, the foundation of shamanic studies. Yes. Yes. That's so funny. Um, I did my, some of my trainings through them too. So small world. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The reason I was drawn in was because I wanted to learn how to do a soul retrieval. And then I realized after taking the training that I was already doing something very similar intuitively. (laughs) So I'm like, so, so thank you for signing my check away. And I really didn't need this, but I joked about it. I made great connections through that. And like (laughs) the facilitator that we have here where I live in Manitoba, like she's lovely. So Mm. um, I take everything with a grain of salt though. Right. So uh, for me, I do want to say, maybe this is the teacher in me that what the way that they teach about the word shamanism, I love that it's very specifically associated with a specific tribe in Siberia. They're the ones that is their language that they're using and the rest of the world kind of borrows it. So, but yet when you go back and look at history of paganism, um, which is where my roots are run the deepest, Mm. they had similar words for the same thing. Although I, they're again, evading me at the moment, but yet I think everywhere in the world has some kind of, indigenous knowledge and there's always a community healer and it's all the same thing but maybe we just use the different plant medicines around and we use a different language to to facilitate this healing but there are some commonalities across all groups and those commonalities are actually what the foundational of shamanic studies talks about so I think it's fascinating that, you know, somebody can be living on another continent and have the same experience, although they've never, they've never actually communicated with somebody on the continent that I'm on. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm a little hesitant to use that word in my own practice. Like, I don't know that if I were to create like a menu card of what services were available, I don't know that I would use the word shamanism in mine. I probably Mm -hmm. would find something that's more pagan related or like Nordic Viking lifestyle timeframe. Um, because mm. that's where I have the most past memory from, um, which resonates most with my my lineage. So I probably would want to choose something differently. Yeah. But ultimately, it is going into an altered state of mind, retrieving information, bringing that information back, uh, retrieving aspects of a person's soul that they've given away. Um, I would say that's really just intuitive psychic knowledge. And we're not taught this. We kind of forget that every human on the planet has psychic ability Mm -hmm. but it's not developed because people don't have the understanding and the knowing of how to nurture that from a young age so it gets shut down so the systems that we live in society that we live in shuts it down turns it off denies it and then we forget our tools that we had as a kid on how to levitate over a puddle in your beach (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing I love that story that, yeah, I forgot to wrap back around to that, but that is, uh, I <laughs> fully believe that you did that, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah. You have quite the, quite the smorgasbord of no <laughs> different things that you pull from. It's really, it's really interesting. Thank you so much for being willing to come on the show. This has been extremely interesting. I loved speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and a little bit about the history of Carol. (laughs) For having me. It's been so great. Thank you for tuning in to the Mystic Mecca and we will see you next week.